Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. We're going to be in Revelation chapter number two and three today, Revelation chapter two and three. Before I get to the message today, I want us to be praying, if you would, please, for the Velasquez family. Their grandson, Crew, passed away this this week and a little four-year-old. This is the one that um, Zeta, she uh, retired from working so that she could uh, be home with Crew and she is really taking good care of crew and every day. Um, and then Oscar, when he retired from the church here, he, um, he spent a lot of time helping Zeta and, uh, he, uh, he went to be with the Lord this week. And so would you please pray for the Velasquez family and crew's, uh, other grandparents, grandmother and mom and dad, and just so many, so many people involved in this heartache and we're so thankful that God knows that we um, we can trust Him, and um, I want to invite our church family to um, just support the Velasquez during this time. And you can do that, however the Lord puts that in your heart. Um, you know, I, there's there's so many different ways, and God'll God'll lead you to do that, however that is. But Thursday of this week, there's a funeral. Uh, visitation starts at eleven, and then the funeral at twelve. And uh, that'll be at um, Newcomers on Heather Downs. And so if, you, uh, if you're able to be there on Thursday for one or the other or for both, I know that would be an encouragement to the family. And if you pray for Pastor Oscar, he is going to be preaching the, the funeral. And uh, he has done a lot of funerals over the years, but this will probably be the most difficult uh, funeral he's ever done. And so just pray the Lord will give him the grace and uh, strength that he needs to do that. And, uh, but I want to encourage you, church, would you rally around this family and encourage this family, pray for this family. And, um, uh, like I said, however, the Lord puts it on your heart to minister to this family, the Lord's right. The spirit of God will, will direct us and, and, uh, we'll be obedient to him. And I know that'll be sufficient, uh, to get them through this trial. Revelation chapter number two and three, I, um, I want to just look at these two chapters this week. We're studying through the book of Revelation. I know, I know many of you probably thought, are we ever going to get out of chapter number one? And um, I told you we we're going to spend a lot of time there because I was setting the foundation of this study. And uh, now we're going to quickly move through the book of Revelation. Uh, so today we're going to look at chapters two and three. In the next next week, we're going to be looking at even further. Remember, remember what we looked at last week, where Jesus says to to uh, uh, John, "I'm going to show you what was, what is, and what is to come." And we divide the Book of Revelation into those three sections: what what was, what is, and what is to come, or Bible prophecy, that which is going to come uh, after the church age. But right now, today, we're going to study what is, and that that's the church age. And so as you break down the book of Revelation, what you find, first of all, is you find chapter one, it's all about Jesus Christ. 
It's who he is. It's the foundation. It's the purpose. Why the book of Revelation is written. He says in verse number three, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of the prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. And so there's a special blessing that comes to those that read this and study this and understand this. And then they're obedient to the, to the word of God here in the book of Revelation. And so we get a foundation. It's all about Jesus Christ. That's what this book of Revelation is, the revealing of Jesus Christ. That's what was. He has always been. He's been since the, uh, the foundations of the earth. The, the, uh, he has always been. He always will be. He describes himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That is Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's our priest. He is, he is the judge. That's how we see him in chapter number one. What we see is Jesus who has always been and always will be. Chapter number two and chapter number three, we come into what is uh, referred to as the church age. And, and in, in verse number one, or chapter number one, verse number 20, look there with me if we could read this verse as we go into chapter number two and three today. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in the, my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. And so here Jesus says to John, John, what you saw when Jesus Christ stood in the center of these seven candlesticks, he stood there. What was he doing? He was standing in the midst of these churches. These seven candlesticks represent these seven churches. Now, these seven churches, these seven churches that we'll find here in this, pa in this passage of scripture, they are literal churches, these churches you would have found uh, in, in Asia Minor or what would be modern day Turkey, these seven churches existed. Also, what we'll find in these seven churches, it's prophetic of what the churches will be like during the church age. So since Christ ascended back to heaven till today, Till he comes for his bride, that is the church age that we were living in, that we are living in. And these two chapters represent that church age. And so as we look at these seven churches, you know what we find? We find that every church will be somewhere in the midst of these seven churches. You'll find these churches. Churches, churches have been started and churches have closed. You say, well, I thought, I thought that Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell can, shall not prevail against it. Why don't we have 2000 year old churches? Why do churches start? Why are we seeing churches, church buildings, uh, local assemblies close up by the, by the thousands every year in our generation? The body of Christ is going to stand. You know, everything has a shelf life except the word of God. Everything does. Things start and things end. The word of God stands forever. And we find, we find in these churches, and I'm not going to read two full chapters here today. You could read that on your own here, but I do want to pull out and just look at what these churches are, and then we'll dive into our message here today. But the first church that we see in chapter number two is a church at Ephesus. If you're taking notes today, I'm just going to simply, we're going to, we're going to name the church and we're going to find out something about this church. 
Now, this is important for us because after every church that is described, after we're introduced to all these churches, we're going to read something like this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That goes back to verse number three, that, that he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things. And we, as we get into chapter number two and chapter number three, we're going to find where Jesus is speaking to John and he says, hear me what I'm saying. Hear, hear this. This message today is for every single person sitting that can hear my words today, my voice today. Hear what the word of God has to say. If, if, if you sleep normally in a message today, this is not one that you're going to uh, want to sleep in. Why? Because you are going to be accountable for what you hear. Hear what he has to say to the churches. And as he says, hear these things, we need to do what he says. We need a great awakening. We need a great revival in this generation. This generation is just lulling to sleep. It's, 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 it's just apathetic. We're so concerned about so many things other than what Christ would have us to be concerned for. And so I say this to you, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He says in verse number seven, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The first church that we find here is a church at Ephesus. This is a church here that, that, that labored and that served. But this church lost, the Bible says, lost their first love. They, con they continued to go. They continued to, to be faithful. They continued to labor. They didn't stop doing what they were doing. But the problem is they stopped falling in love with Jesus Christ. They were doing it for the wrong reasons. This is the church at Ephesus. There's a second church that we find here in verse number eight down to verse number 11. This is the church of uh, Smyrna, the church of Smyrna. And he says to this church, I know thy works in verse number nine in thy tribulation. This is a church of, of great suffering. This is a church that goes through many sufferings and, and uh, uh, it just seems like they're, they're always struggling going through tribulation. There, there may be a, a, a church of poverty in verse number nine. And, and this is a church the, that um, uh, is just of great suffering. The, the third church that we'll find here in this passage of scripture, verse number 12 down to verse number 17, we find the church of Pergamos. Church of Pergamos. This church is one that is overcome by false doctrine and false teaching. We see that in the church today. We see it in the church today. It's not new to the church today. This is something that has been going on since these churches that are listed here. Pergamos was a church where, where there's teaching that is false that has come in and, and teaching of a false doctrine that has come in and, and, and they're, they're buying into it and they're believing it. There could be a, 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 this, this teaching of a, of a um, prosperity gospel. I mean, there's all kinds of false teaching and false doctrine that has come into the church. And they're buying into these things. And 
there's a strong rebuke that the Lord gives to these churches. There's a fourth church that we find in verse number 18. This church is Thyatira. This is one that they love. They have faith. But this church, it doesn't deal with sin. It doesn't deal with sin. It doesn't, it doesn't, he, he specifically says fornication. This is a church that, that they just simply, they love each other. They have faith. They believe in Jesus, but they're, they're not going to take a stand against sin. It, it's one of those churches where you can come as you are and stay as you are and everyone's going to love you and everyone's going to accept you and, and we don't want to offend anybody. Oh, listen to me. We need more than ever. We need churches that love. And more than ever, we need churches that have strong faith, that believe in Jesus Christ, that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we could do all that and, and not preach against sin and just allow people to think you can live however you want to live and do whatever you want to do and be whatever you want to be. And, and Jesus has a, a warning for a church like that. Listen to me, the church ought to preach the love of Christ. Church ought to preach the grace of God. The church ought to preach the, the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But a church has to stand against sin. A church has to stand. Listen to me. A pastor has to preach against sin. That's his calling. Here's a church that they love, they have faith, but they, they allow sin in their midst. There's a next church here, Sardis, chapter number three. There's a church of Sardis. He says this, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Here's a church, there a used to be church. They're known for what they used to do. They're living on what they used to have. And they're, they've got a name and it sounds like, hey, this church is doing a great job, but they're dead. Give it another generation and they're not going to be existent. They, they, look, look what we've done. Listen to me, it's a dangerous place when a church continues to say, look what we've seen done. Look what was done in the past. If, if, if God did it in the past, then God wants to do it today as well. Oh, we ought to be talking and praising the Lord. Look how many souls have been saved and how many missionaries have been sent and how many people have been baptized. But if all we're talking about is what used to happen, we think we're alive, but Jesus says you're dead. You're dead. And then we find this church, this church of Philadelphia. This is a faithful church. Out of all the seven churches that we're going to find here in these two chapters, the church at Philadelphia is one that he says, I know thy works. He says, I've set before you an open door and no man can shut it. This church is faithful in serving the Lord. This church, every opportunity the Lord opens up for this church, this church rushes through that opportunity, that door. That church, here's a challenge. 
And God opens that door to minister to people and to see folks saved and reach their world and their generation. And that church says, let me add it. I want to be faithful. I, I, I want to, if, if it's an open door, we're going to rush through that door and see God work. This is a church, Philadelphia. If you looked at all these churches, this is the one church that Jesus actually, it seems and appears like he's actually pleased with. You know what that tells me that, that there are churches today. If this is a representation, these are literal churches, but they're a representation of the church age. You know what that means? There are still churches today that can have a fire burning in them that, that God can bless. Listen to me, don't buy into this. Well, the churches are dying and we're just going to uh, a slow death. And look at the statistics. People aren't going to church anymore and, and churches aren't relevant anymore. That's not true. Now, there are some we see in God's word, but you know what this says? There are still churches that are found faithful. There's still churches that love the Lord Jesus Christ. There's still churches that are willing to sacrifice. There's still churches that are willing to go. And I pray that Monclova Road Baptist Church would be described like this type of church where there's an open door and all we do is run to that door and run through that door and see God work. Don't buy into this that churches are just dying. God can still bless churches. We still can see people saved. The Bible still says that the fields are widened to harvest, but the laborers are few. And then we find this church, the church of Laodicea. He says in verse number 14, would you follow along with me? And the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. He says, I wish you were cold or hot. I wish you'd choose one. I, I, I wish you would choose one. Decide, get off the fence and decide what you're going to do. He says, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest I'm rich increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and ye anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Jesus says this, I love you, and, and because of that, I'm going to rebuke you. Because of that, I'm going to chasten you. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. There's a call here. There's a call to repent. There's a call here to get right with God. There's a call here, get off the fence and get right with God. 
He says, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Today, church, if you have an ear, it's time we hear. Laodicea, there's a problem in, in many churches today. And that's described in this church of Laodicea, and it is simply this, we've lost our fire. We've lost our zeal. We've lost our enthusiasm. We don't weep anymore. Spiritual things don't bother us any longer. We find ourselves in the church age. We find ourselves in this age of chapter two and chapter three in the book of Revelation, these several little church, literal churches that we find in Asia Minor. These, these chapters relate to us. We, we will find ourselves in, in what makes up a, a church is as us as individuals. We make up this church. You realize these buildings, we, we have an address, Monclova Road Baptist Church, but, but these are just buildings. If, if this church ever failed, these, someone would buy these buildings and it wouldn't have to be another church. Anybody could use these buildings. The church is you and the church is me. It's us. And, and as he's speaking, he's speaking to you and he's speaking to me. He's speaking to individuals that make up a local body. And he says this, he that hath an ear, let him hear. This is what God wants you to know. How many of you would say, if God wanted me to know something, I want to hear it. I want to know it. God says, I want you to know something. Heed this, hear this. In chapter one, Jesus is pictured standing in the middle of these seven candlesticks. As I read uh, verse number 20, he says, these seven churches are the seven candlesticks. Jesus is standing in the middle of those seven candlesticks. The, the, this, the churches are supposed to be the light of the world. The churches are supposed to be the salt of the earth. The, the churches are supposed to bring light to the darkness. The church is supposed to, to shine the light of Jesus Christ, to shine the light of the gospel in the darkest corners of this earth. That's the responsibility of the church. Jesus said to his disciples in his, to the, the, the commission given to the church, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. The church is supposed to reach the world in their generation. Let me say that again. The church is supposed to reach the world in their generation. You see, the apostles reached their world in their generation. The Bible says of the apostles that they turned their world upside down. There was conversations amongst the highest rulers, the highest governments in the land, uh, in, in the world at that time, of what are these Christians doing? Who is this apostle Paul? Who is this man by the name of John? Who is this man by the name of Stephen? They were turning the world upside down. They were taking the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ at all costs to see the world reach with the gospel. You see, that command of reaching the world with the gospel, I believe it's a command that's given to every generation. We have more resources. We have more manpower. 
We have more technology. We have more ability to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ than we have in any generation before. Yet over 3 billion people still sit without the gospel of Jesus Christ ever being heard. And it's not because the gospel has lost its power. It's not because the command that Jesus gave us is is a command that is impossible to fulfill. It's because the church sits on the fence. It's because the church is lukewarm. Because there's days the church is trying to decide, do we want to be a social club or do we want to be a gospel-centered agency? Do we want to be all about ourselves or do we want to be about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we, want to, do we want to make sure that everything is fine within our four walls or do we want to be fishers of men? And the church sits making this decision. And as the church sits lukewarm, the Bible says this, the Lord is nauseous. Have you ever been nauseous before? I've told you this story many a times about me on this, this boat. One of my friends years ago convinced me this is going to be a, a fun trip. Let's go out deep sea fishing. It was an interesting trip, all right. They used me for chum the entire, the entire time. I had people come over here, come over here, right here. Help us out. It was the worst experience of my life (laughs) to get that feeling of nauseousness. I was in Israel earlier this year and I was sitting on the jump seat. That means the steps that were, you go up into the travel bus there, they have a seat that folds down. I'm sitting there every day for finally, after a couple of days, the driver, I'd get on the bus, he'd hand me a trash can. Here you go. It was, the, it, was an, it was awful. That feeling of nauseousness. That, that feeling of spewing is, I don't want to be crude, but it's, it's vomiting. It's, it's vomiting everything out of you. I, I've never met anybody that said this, I love to vomit. <laughs> it's the best feeling. No, everyone says, I just hate that feeling. Yet Jesus says this, I want to spew you out of my mouth. In verse number 14, Jesus is describing himself as the amen. Look what he says, and unto the angel of the churches of the Laodiceas write, these things saith the amen. He's describing himself. He doesn't say these things I'm saying amen to. He says, this is the amen. You know what he's saying? This is, this means let it be so. This is factual. What Jesus is saying, I am the factual one here. What I'm about to tell you is true. This is not Jesus overemphasizing something or giving attention to something just just to get our attention. He's saying this, everything I'm telling you right now, it's a true saying. It's true. He's faithful. His factual statement is this, the church at Laodicea is sitting on the fence. It's doing nothing. It's doing nothing. It talks about what it might do, but it's doing nothing. It it sings about Jesus, but, but it's doing nothing. 
And he says, I'm telling you something factual. In verse number 15, he says this, I know thy works. You're hot or you're cold. No, you're, you're lukewarm. And I work cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spew thee or vomit you out of my mouth. I want to talk to you this morning, first of all, the sin that nauseates God. The sin that nauseates God. And that sin that nauseates God is this. It's a lukewarm Christian. Lukewarm, it simply just means this. It's too cold to be hot and too hot to be cold. It's, 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 it's not hot enough to boil and it's not cold enough to freeze. It's just lukewarm. It, there, there's not a whole lot of purpose for it. It's, it's this, it, 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 putting it down on the bottom shelf for all of us, it would be this. We're self-satisfied and we're half-hearted Christians. We're in it just enough to be self-satisfied. We're in it half-hearted. But as soon as, as soon as problems come or tribulation comes or trial comes, I'm out of it. As soon as, as soon as sacrifice comes, I'm out of it. I, I'm good as long as it's good. I'm not committed to making it better. I, I won't do anything to make it worse. I just won't do anything at all. And that's what a lukewarm, this is what a half-hearted, this is what self-satisfied Christians look like. And God says this, I want to spew you out of my mouth. It's a spirit of indifference. And I want to give you several things today that I believe here in this church of Laodicea that we need to make sure is not a part of our life today. I, I want us to really look, I, listen to me, it is so easy for us to hear a message and say, boy, my wife really needed that. Boy, my husband really needed that. I know that person in front of me and I'm so glad they're here. There's a, a fellow at church, the pastor every single week, he'd preach a message right at that guy, right at him. Because he knew that guy and he's a room full of people. And he'd preach at that guy. And on the way out, the, 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 that fellow would come to the pastor every single week and say this to him. He'd say, boy, that was a good message. They really needed that. And the pastor's thinking to himself, no, no, man, I'm preaching at you. You're not getting it. So the pastor had a special time. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just invite him into my office. I'm going to talk with him. I'm gonna, he's going to be the only one in the room, and I'm going to give him everything. And after that meeting was over, he just unloaded on that guy. That guy sat there, and as he got finished, the pastor walked in the door, and that guy looked at him. He says, boy, I wish the rest of the church was here to hear that because they needed it. No matter, no matter what the pastor was saying, that man kept saying, it's for someone else, it's for someone else, it's for someone else. But the reality is this, it's for us. What makes us lukewarm is the fact that we're just self-satisfied. We're half-hearted. The messages just kind of go past us. And yeah, that's good for that person, good for that person. And Jesus is saying to the church today, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God has to say. Listen to me today. 
Every time we come to the house of God, we ought to desire and ought to long for the spirit of God to speak to us. We ought to long for the word of God to be powerful in our own hearts and break up our hearts. But there are some, several things I believe a, a lukewarm, a lukewarm church is indifferent to, indifferent to. And that number one would be this. Would you write this down? A, a lukewarm church, a lukewarm Christian is indifferent about their personal holiness. Now, holiness, I know, is a word we probably don't hear a whole lot of. And some might say, oh, that's, that's legalism and you can't achieve holiness. And, but the word sanctification is in the Bible. And, and the, believer, the believer, the moment that they're saved, they're justified. That means this, just as if I'd never sinned. When God sees me, the moment I'm saved, I'm not seen as a, a wretched sinner. I'm seen under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm gloriously saved. The moment I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm cleansed and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And many Christians are satisfied just to stay right there. I've got fire insurance. I'm saved. Now I can live however I want to live. And that's not how God desires for Christians to live. His desire for us is to live a sanctified life or continuing to grow to become like Jesus Christ. Now, I know in these bodies and in, 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 in this world, we're never going to be perfect. One day we're going to be like Christ. We're going to be as he is and we're going to have uh, new bodies and, and, and we're going to be sinless there when we get to heaven. But until then, there is a desire that we ought to have for personal holiness, becoming more like Christ. More like Christ in how we talk and more like Christ in how we think. And the Bible calls it the mind of Christ. You know, every single one of us have a past. Every single one of us have an upbringing. Every single one of us have a thought of what it was like and how we thought before we got saved. But now that we're saved, the spirit of God lives inside of us. And our desire ought to be to, to listen or listen to the, 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 the uh, spirit of God and become more like Christ. I'll say this in marriage counseling often to, to, uh, to people. If all you do is apologize for what you continue to say, there's something wrong. Your apologies don't work any longer. You've got to stop saying the things that you're saying, and you've got to stop thinking the things that you're thinking, and then you'll stop saying the things that you're saying. Your whole mind needs to change. How you think has to change. And as you think changes, your action will change. Your speech will change. That is sanctification is becoming more like Christ. We're getting to the place where we have the same thing in common as the lost world. There's nothing that separates us. We laugh at the same things. We desire the same things. We, 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 we strive for the same things. We get frustrated over the same things. We get discouraged and we get excited about the same things. The reality is this. There's no difference between what excites us and what excites the world. There's no difference in what, what motivates us and what motivates the world. Why? Because we've lost or we become indifferent to personal holiness. Number two. 
we've become indifferent about serving the body of Christ. We've become indifferent about serving the body of Christ in reaching the lost world. Church, there's a lack of commitment. I've, I've never seen it. I've grown up, I've, I've grown up my entire life in the church. I'll just be honest, I've never seen it as bad as it is. People don't want to commit because it gets in the way. I can't commit to teaching. I can't commit to serving. I can't commit to that because, because I've got other plans. Uh, that takes a commitment. I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that every week. I can't be there. I can't be there at the house of God. I can't serve. Uh, I've got things that I want to do in my life. And the church sits indifferent. There's people like the Velazquez family. Their, their, their life is turned upside down. It's, it's time for the church to, to run. There's serve the body of Christ and love the body of Christ and, and do whatever's necessary and commit to, to loving each other and serving each other and, and serving Christ at all cost. You have to, I've got too many things to do. There's too many things in this world I need to see. There, there's too much joy this world has to offer that I need to experience. There's too much money that I need to spend. There's too much thrill that I need. And we're sitting indifferent, lukewarm. I'll sit on the fence. If, if I'm here one week, I'll serve. But I don't know the next three or four weeks. I've got a Cedar Point pass I need to get my money's worth out of. You laugh. But it's true. We care more about the thrills of this world than about a lost soul that needs to come to Jesus Christ. And all of those things are going to one day burn. And only what's done for Christ is going to last. Yet we're concerned so much about the things that are going to burn. Our lives get so disrupted about the things that are going to last forever. And the church sits lukewarm. Serve when it's convenient. Concerned about the thrills of this world. Not the three billion souls that have never heard Jesus Christ. We want to raise our kids. To keep them close to us. God forbid we send them to the other side of the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I miss too many birthdays and thanksgivings and Christmases. I, I can't send my child to serve Jesus. I'll lose out on too much. And so our kids think the purpose of living is the thrills of this world. We've got no passion in worship. This church at Laodicea, they're they stand there while people are worshiping Jesus Christ. 
I, I heard this one time and my heart was just, I didn't say anything to the person, but I walked away and I just thought to myself, how lukewarm. And they didn't even see it. They said, yeah, we sing new songs. I don't know what they are. I just stand there. And I thought to myself, learn it. It's about Jesus. Get off the fence. Get your heart back into your first love and passion about Jesus and worshiping Jesus. Oh, today, as I saw these up here today, I know different trials that different people are going through and we're singing. I thought about behind me, the Velasquez, when we're singing about I'm, I, I'm in a battle, but it's already been won. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, we are in a battle, but Jesus Christ has, has given the victory and oh, crew, crew, we have to say goodbye to him this past week, but oh, he's in heaven and he's walking like he's never walked before and he's talking like he's never talked before and he's waiting. He received Jesus Christ, received him in glory. He's got a, he's got a mansion that he's been prepared a place for him. Oh, oh, it's hurtful now, but they're in a battle now, but oh my friend, Jesus Christ is the victor and he's already won. Yet we'll have people stand like this. When we're supposed to be worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They'll know every single player Every single new player on the roster of their favorite college football team, they'll know who, who won the golf tournament. They'll know every player on their favorite baseball team. They'll know the statistics. They'll know all those things, and they'll yell and screaming and excited about those things, but something to do with Jesus Christ, and they stand there. Oh, you're lukewarm. You've lost your passion. You've lost your fire. And God says this, I'd rather spew you out of my mouth. We're indifferent. In Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says this, be filled with the spirit of God, making melody in your heart to the Lord. The church at Laodicea is they're indifferent. They're indifferent about their Bible reading, Bible study. They've lost their passion. They've lost their desire. How do you go through life, Christian, without this light? My wife and I, we, we get up early. It's dark. And um, we don't have street lights and we don't have sidewalks in our neighborhood. So we have to walk in the road and it gets dark. And... Uh, a lot of times cars will just come speeding through our, our neighborhood. And so my wife has her flashlight on her phone and that's pretty bright. And so she'll, when she hears a car, or sees lights a little bit, she'll turn that light on and let them know where we're here. Every so often if she'll shine the light to, so we don't trip over something and I have to get on her shoulders and her carry me home. <laughs> we need light. That, that light, that light guides us. That light warns 
us of our surroundings. That light shows others we're there. Yet so often we as Christians, as lukewarm Christians, we go through life without the light. We never shine it on our decisions. We, we never shine it on our path. We're, we're changing jobs. We're changing houses. We're spending money. We're, 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 we're making life decisions. We're marrying. We're, we're dating. We're, we're making life decisions. And we never, we never take this book and shine it on that situation. And so what we do is we marry people that aren't saved. What do we do? We make decisions that, that are just contrary to the word of God. Because we don't want the word of God to mess up what we want to do. Because we want to sit on the fence. We're indifferent. We're indifferent about prayer. I'm convicted here. If there's an area, this area is the area of my life I'm most convicted about. Prayer. I mean a fervent prayer, a pleading with God. We have buildings, we have sound systems, we have lights, we have Bible classes, we have programs, we have staff. But if we lose the power of God through prayer, we're nothing. We have every program you can think of, but if we're, if we're doing it in our own strength, we're powerless. I'm so tired of being powerless. I'm tired of being a powerless father. I'm tired of being a powerless dad. I'm tired of being a powerless pastor. I'm tired of being a powerless church. We need the power of God. We, we have some major things happening. In, all, in, in November of this year, we have an amendment that's coming, that's going to be, if it's voted in and, 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 and it looks like it's going to be, if polling is correct, that is going to enshrine in our constitution abortion in our state. And people say this, well, we just need people to vote. No, we need people to pray. I said to my wife the other day, we're walking. And I said, I, I just feel like I, I need to do everything I possibly can to encourage everybody in Ohio to pray. She says, how are you going to do that? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I start with our church, begging you to pray. If this passes, if this passes, I, I sat in our governor's his residence this past week and spoke personally with him. And he said this, if this passes, a, a, a child could be aborted up until birth. If this passes, there's loopholes in this that a child, a 12-year-old, a 12-year-old could get an abortion without her parents' consent. Your parents never know. I mean, it's, it's demonic. And the only way that we're going to see these things defeated is by the power of God in the fervent prayer of the righteous. We'll get angry, we'll get indignant, we'll, 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 we'll do everything we can, but pray. Oh, our church, we need to, and I know this, 
I know this about our church. I've pastored here long enough to know if there's something we need, we need to pray. We need to learn how to pray again. We need to have strained knees and, 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 and bruised elbows because we've been down on the floor. Prostate before an almighty God. Begging him for his power. I told the Lord this morning in my office, God, I don't ever want to get in the pulpit again without your power. I don't ever want to open your Bible again without praying and receiving your power and being led by your spirit. We need to pray, church. Yet a church at Laodicea sits on the fence. Not hot, not cold. Indifferent. The church at Laodicea, indifferent on their giving. There's no more sacrifice. Hear me today. A church of Philadelphia is a church where it, its lifestyle is impacted because of their giving for Christ. Our lifestyles, are they impacted because of our giving? Our giving of our time, a giving of our talent, a giving of our finances. Has it impacted us at all? Are we going without? I, 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 I give, I my family gives, but as I was studying and reading and just meditating upon this church at Laodicea, when's the last time my family sacrificed? When's the last time I said to my wife, we can't do that because we have to give? We can't do that because there's a missionary that has a need and, 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 and the gospel of Jesus Christ has got to get there in Poland and needs to get to Africa and it needs to get to South America. And, and we, we can do without that. You see, there's damage that's caused by lukewarm Christians. And I'm afraid the damage that we are going to see in this generation is we're never going to see revival. And we're never going to see the glory of God like we need to see the glory of God. And our children are not going to see, and our grandchildren are not going to see revival in the glory of God. We believe in Jesus. It just doesn't excite us anymore. I love reading about revivals. I've read probably most revivals that have happened. I've read about them. And I've often wondered, God, why don't you send a revival? But you know what? Every revival I've read, you know what it goes back to? A small group of people gathered on their knees, begging God for his power. Begging God to do something that only he can do. Saying to God, I'm not going to be indifferent any longer. I'm going to get off the fence. I'm going to get all in. I'm going to get all in. Oh, wouldn't it be a wonderful place 
if everyone said, I'm going to get all in? Look, look what happens in verse number 17. He says this, because thou sayest I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. He, th- this is the attitude. They, they say, we don't need anything. Everything's good. God's blessing is upon us. I'm rich. We're increased with goods. But look what he says, and you know us not. <laughs> you're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're naked. You're blind. You know what he's saying? Lukewarmness blinds you. Thou sayest this, but you don't know this. He says, you think you're rich, but you're poor. You think you have it all, but you have nothing. You think you have the finest, but you're naked. The problem is, the problem is with our thinking. We think that everything's fine. And God says everything's not fine. Some of us would be better off if God just took everything from us. Because then we wouldn't rely upon the things that we should be relying upon. You see, the the church at Laodicea, this area, they were known for several things. They were known for their great wool trade. They were known for their wealth in gold. And they were known for, they were a medical center that treated blindness. This is what that, that Laodicea was known for. They were very famous for these things. And so because of their wealth and because of their, their medical center, because of all of these things, they didn't need anything. They were prosperous. Sounds like our country. We're prosperous. And this is what Jesus is saying. You have all of this, but you've lost your holy fire. You've left your first love. Remember that, remember when you first fell in love? I remember when I first fell in love, if I, I lived probably 30 minutes from where Michelle lived and, and this is the truth. If Michelle, if Michelle wanted to talk till two o'clock in the morning, I talked to her. If she wanted to fall asleep, I just listened to her breathe. But there's times now after 25 years of marriage, there's some, sometimes now I just kind of get aggravated and I just, I don't even want to hear you breathe. (laughs) You're laughing because you know what it's like. Sitting across from her, we were sitting yesterday and a couple walked in. I said, hey, you want to ask them to sit with us? She says, no. She said, we haven't sat across from each other in a long time. I want to talk to you. And I said, okay, well, tell me real quick what you want to talk about. (laughs) She just looked at me. Really? I said, yeah, well, there's things you got to do. Oh, when we first met, there was nothing else I needed to do. We'd go out to dinner and we clo- the, the, the lady would finally come over and say, listen, we closed an hour ago. You guys got to get out. It's been that long? Oh. If she would have called me at midnight and said, hey, I, 
I sure could use a cheese, Philly cheesesteak and Diet Coke. I would have got out of bed, went down and got everything she wanted and delivered it to her house just because she needed it. Now, when the dog needs to go out at midnight and tries to wake us up, I just pretend I'm sleeping. <laughs> hoping she'll get up. Sometimes you lose your first love. He didn't say you don't love anymore. It's just you're not enthusiastic. You're not reckless anymore. You're, you're, you've lost your desire. You've lost your enthusiasm and I want to close with this. Was there ever a time that you loved Jesus Christ more than you do now? Was there ever a time that you were more enthusiastic and more reckless in serving Jesus and sacrificing than you were now? If so, you've lost your first love. If so, you're on the verge of, if not, you're there of being indifferent. Church, let's get off the fence. And I want to invite you all to get on this side of the fence. That's called hot. And let's look at all the open doors that God has. And let's together decide that we are going to run through every open door till Jesus comes because people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because our body is hurting and they need to experience the love of Jesus Christ and the encouragement of Jesus Christ. Let's commit to focus on Christ and his plan for our life. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.